Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is a Thursday night actually recording this early Friday morning. It's currently 12, 11 a.m. And uh, doing Nuggets Numbers tonight. I'm going solo tonight as opposed to a Denver Stiff show. Uh, we'll figure that out as it goes along. But I wanted to get up a quick podcast tonight. The Nuggets lost to the Dallas Mavericks in overtime, 124 to 117. Going into it, Nikola Jokic had tied the game with a game tying shot at the buzzer over Willie Colley Stein. Uh, Jokic had a great game individually. Uh, it wasn't my favorite game of his, and, and I think that there are definitely some things to nitpick with, but. In terms of the pecking order of issues that Denver has, he's definitely not at the top of the list. Uh, first segment, we're going to recap the loss to the Mavericks. Second segment, want to answer the question, is Denver's defense bad or just unlucky? Uh, and the third segment, we'll talk about the MPJ news, what that means for the rotation going forward. Uh, it's, it's got some effects that I think are, are important, and almost more importantly, it's just less time that Murray and Jokic and Porter have to play together to try to figure out how to play efficient and healthy basketball. But first, the Mavericks game. Uh, Really too bad how this thing panned out. The Nuggets were up. They were up 12 at one point in the fourth quarter, I'm pretty sure. And the Mavericks just worked it all the way back. They they got hot from three. Uh, Luka Doncic began to take over the game. The Nuggets really didn't have an answer for him. And when they did have an answer for him... I didn't really like the way that the offense was constructed. Uh, The Nuggets went to Nikola Jokic uh, possession after possession in the post. And I didn't necessarily think that that was the right call. Uh, Though Nikola Jokic is an MVP caliber player, he is at his best when he's in the middle of the floor, facilitating for others, helping get everybody going, helping get Murray going. And when, when Jokic has a high assist number, you know that the offense is, is flying around. It's, it's functioning well. Uh, tonight, he only had four assists compared to 31 shots uh, in, in addition to 10 free throw attempts. So it wasn't the most efficient game from Jokic, despite, hey, look, he had 38 points, so I don't want to belabor it. But 38 points on 31 shots isn't as impressive. Uh, and the Nuggets needed better because he went 14 of 31. He missed 17 shots. So... Sometimes Jokic doesn't take 17 shots in a game. So I think it's it's important to note that, and it's important to realize that there are ways that Denver can improve on the margins that I think might go overlooked by some. Uh, Jokic could have been better tonight. 
and it could have been better with foul trouble, though I do think that that's a lot of it is just not under his control. He misses a lot of shots because he's being fouled under the rim uh, and, and doesn't get a call. Uh, he picks up a lot of ticky-tack fouls, and it's very absurd, honestly, that we're still at this stage of his career where this is happening. But the Nuggets just have to deal with it, and they didn't deal with it effectively tonight. Uh, Luka Doncic went off. He finished the game with 38 points himself, had 13 assists, 9 rebounds, he had 13 of 22 from the field, 10 of 15 from the free throw line. He was dominating the ball when he was on the floor, and he got to where he wanted to go. And this is a storyline that I think is going to plague the Nuggets throughout the season. They do not have an individual defender that can match up with the big wings in the NBA. And Gary Harris, I thought he did as good of a job as a short wing could possibly do tonight. And it's to no fault of his own that he couldn't bother Luka Doncic. But the fact remains that he couldn't bother Luka Doncic, and there was no other option on Denver's roster that could do differently. So, it's a concern for Denver going forward. I will continue to talk about that in the second segment. But Luka Doncic going off for 38 points, 13 rebounds, 4 steals... Uh, He did have eight turnovers, but that's the price of admission with the Dallas Mavericks offense. They had 13 turnovers as a team, so five other turnovers outside of Luka's because he dominates the ball so much. It was very surprising uh, the way that Denver decided to play that, and, and they tried to give Gary Harris a lot of leeway to play the game the way he needed to. They didn't double the ball and take it out of Luka's hands as much as they probably could have. Uh... And he hurt them with it, especially in the fourth quarter and overtime. Jamal Murray was fine. He, was, he wasn't he was great. He wasn't bad, but he was just fine. Eight of 19 from the field tonight. Not a super efficient night from him. Three of nine from three. Only two free throw attempts, which I think is honestly kind of a sign of tiredness. Uh, he wasn't fighting to get to the rim as often as he probably could have. Uh, He did have nine assists, had three turnovers on, I think, three pretty careless passes. Uh, But he finished with 21 points, nine assists. So in a vacuum, not really a big deal, not not a big problem that he he wasn't super efficient tonight. Thought he did about as well as you, you want a second guy to do when Jokic is taking 31 shots. So it is what it is. Uh... Denver didn't get enough contributions outside of those two, though. Uh, 38 points from Jokic, 21 from Murray. You had 15 from Gary Harris, who did look pretty good in certain aspects on the offensive end tonight. He did hit a three, but he was still only one of four from three. And this is just getting to a point, it's getting to a threshold that it's, it's very difficult to see Denver continuing to be an elite offense out there if Gary Harris is going to stay at the level of shooter that he is right now. And they're doing the best that they can, and and he, to his credit, is doing the best that he can while shooting inside the arc. Five of five tonight from inside the arc. He had a couple of really nice plays, especially around Boban Marjanovic, but Boban's not the most imposing rim protector because he can't move out there. So I, I don't know how to judge this game right now from Gary. Uh, zero steals, which when he's defending Luka as often as he is, is kind of a concern, I think. Uh, there, There's just not a lot of juice there 
uh, on the wing when when it's not Jokic, when it's not Murray. Will Barton, had, he only t- attempted seven shots tonight. Thought he was fine. I thought he played pretty pretty great defense for most of the night, but uh, eight points from him, seven rebounds, two assists, it's fine. Uh, the bench continues to not give enough in situations where Denver needs them to give more. Uh, Jamichael Green I thought was good. Monte Morris I thought was good. P.J. Dozier was fine, uh, and Isaiah Hartenstein was was just out there. He was he played five minutes tonight, was a plus six, but he he picked up three personal fouls in those five minutes, and there's a reason why Jokic had to play so much, why Murray had to play so much, it was because they had to go small, and they they didn't trust their bench. Uh, Morris and Dozier got some run. And I think Morris earned it, and Dozier, and Dozier earned it in some stretches, but key play late where Dozier is trying to drive to the rim with nowhere to go late in the game and turns the ball over in, in a in just an absolutely egregious way. So Denver still has a lot of things to work on with their second unit. Faco Campazzo didn't play tonight. I was surprised he didn't play tonight. I thought he definitely could have. Uh, yes, the da- uh, Michael Malone said that the Dallas Mavericks went big. And it is true, they went big, they they had times with Boban on the floor, they had nine minutes of James Johnson, but they generally play uh, Jalen Brunson and Tim Hardaway Jr. together, and I really do think that uh, Monte Morris can guard Tim Hardaway Jr. for stretches. Uh, he could have guarded Josh Richardson for stretches when he was out there. Uh, no matter what, what happens with Luka Doncic, he's going to be a mismatch against anybody who he guards or who guards him. So I wonder if Faku Campazzo gets back out there uh, for next game and maybe the next time the Nuggets play the Mavericks anyway. Uh, it, w- it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Uh, I think the the bench missed his energy tonight, and I thought that uh, Dallas's bench is pretty bad. And they, they are relying on Jalen Brunson a lot. They rely on Tim Hardaway Jr. a lot. And there are times where those guys are dominant especially against bench units, but they weren't dominant tonight, which meant that Denver should have been better. Uh, it was pretty disappointing. Let's take a quick break now. We're going to move off of the Mavericks, and when we come back, we are going to talk about Denver's defense. Are they bad? Are they unlucky? What's going on with the defense right now? We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. back. Nuggets numbers. Ryan Blackburn here. Let's talk about the defense. The defense right now is statistically bad. There are a lot of reasons to think that this defense is bad, and Michael Malone is going to continue to cite that this defense is bad. I don't really think it's bad. I think that they're they're getting really unlucky on a lot of the shots that they're having to guard from the opposing team, the things that they're doing, the things that they're preventing, I think that they're doing that reasonably well, and teams are just finishing over them anyway. Uh, 
that comes with being short, by the way. Denver has had a lot of these issues where teams will rise up over them and shoot over them like they aren't there. Uh, Whether it's uh, Morris, Campasso, Dozier, Harris, guys like that. uh, Good players will tend to do that. Good players see the rim, and when they see the rim, they're okay. If they're bothered by a bigger player, then it's a different issue. But when they see the rim, that's when things really click for them. And Denver doesn't have the size to really bother anybody on the wing right now. Uh, but let's let's look at the numbers real quick. Uh, Denver's defense right now after eight games is the 28th defense in the NBA, actually tied for 27th with the Detroit Pistons. So hello, Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee. Um, it's not that Denver could just use those guys in a vacuum. Like I, I, it's it's not necessarily that those guys are extremely valuable, but there are definitely times where, especially Jeremy Grant's, where you could you could see his length and his ability to contest shots a little bit better, be more impactful in certain situations that Denver's being forced to play four guard lineups, or Paul Millsap is late to close out on a rotation, or Jermichael Green is pushing a guy out to a rotation when it should be his job. Uh, Denver has on occasion, been been confused with certain rotations and they've allowed guys to be open. They don't allow it a ton. It just turns out that teams are shooting the lights out when they do leave them open. Let me share some numbers real quick. The Nuggets have allowed the fewest wide-open three-point attempts to opponents in the NBA this season. Just 14.1 per game. This is prior to tonight's game, so take it with a grain of salt. They didn't allow a ton of wide-open threes tonight, uh, just to be clear. Um, Nuggets opponents are shooting 44.4% on wide-open threes. That's the third-highest percentage in the league. Usually teams are going to shoot about 38% on those. So it's kind of an issue that Denver is just kind of on the, the other end, on the other end of the spectrum when it comes to luck uh, to start the year. Oftentimes, they've been criticized for having a defense that gets pretty lucky when it comes to distributions like that. They they give up a lot of those types of shots, but they're they're getting lucky in a lot of those instances, and teams aren't making the the shots they should that they should. It's the opposite right now. It's the opposite where Denver is actually limiting a lot of shots from three that are wide open. You can only control the shots that are wide open, but teams are just shooting the shit out of the ball. Let's be clear. The Nuggets have allowed the fourth fewest shots in the restricted area this season. That's including tonight. Opponents are shooting 72.6% on those shots, the highest percentage in the league. And there are definitely problems with Denver's rim protection for sure. When Jokic is constantly in foul trouble and he's trying to avoid fouls, He'll do the Matador defense thing where he kind of stands in the way but makes makes sure to get out of the way so he doesn't get a foul call. And then Denver also has guys that when they when they get into the restricted area on defense, they they aren't a threat at all. Monte Morris, Faku Campazzo, Gary Harris, even Jamal Murray at times. Uh, there's just nothing that some of those guys can do. Will Barton actually is, is a good example of this because he's usually matched up with a small forward or a power forward. So... Denver being undersized has really killed them on the defensive end to start the year. There are things that they do better. I think they rotate better than they did last year. 
and they they have shown that off. They started this game against the Mavericks, and they were playing incredible defense. They were rotating really hard. But the moment those rotations go from 100% efficiency to 98% efficiency, and there are some cracks that start to show up, teams kind of kill them. And length and athleticism and perimeter size, those really are the the things that guard against that, where, where teams can make up for size detriment by being just a little bit closer to the ball, by being a little bit closer to the contesting party. I think that this is going to be something that Denver is going to have to solve via trade. I don't think that there is an in-house solution for this on the defensive end. And it's tough to say because I I do think that, that Harris and Barton and Murray have had great effort to start the year on the defensive end. Uh, Morris and Capasso, they, they fight. They, they do what they need to to be in the right position. Jokic, I think, has had his best defensive season so far. But it just hasn't added up to wins. And when it's in that position, I think you have to go get a singularly impactful defender. Somebody who's athletic, somebody who's versatile, somebody who can cover a lot of different positions, and somebody who just raises the top-end level of the defense, which ultimately raises their baseline. I thought that Denver would be able to make up for some things that they haven't thus far. And maybe that changes. Maybe it takes another eight games for this to really adjust. But I'm at least concerned that, that this is going to be our thing for the rest of the year. And especially in the playoffs, when a guy like Luka Doncic can just go at Denver in the pick and roll, not feel him, not feel Gary Harris, or not feel Will Barton or Jamal Murray or whoever the Nuggets decide to guard him with. See over that player, not be bothered, make the correct decision, and win a playoff series that they should lose if you're Dallas against Denver. Denver's going to be in a really tough position because they've built a great regular season roster that's run into some bad luck, and I still think is going to bounce back. But there are definitely things that when when you're looking towards the playoffs, and the Nuggets should be doing that, they should have one eye on the regular season, one eye on the playoffs, trying to figure out how best to be an NBA champion. I genuinely believe that. It gets really difficult to see how they put together an effective defense against the top offensive units in the NBA because all of the top offensive units have perimeter size. And Denver just doesn't. Let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Michael Porter Jr.'s absence and how that shifts the rotation around. We'll be right back. numbers ryan blackburn here final segment wanted to talk about the mpj news it broke during the game didn't really have a good opportunity to react to it with people uh first of all pretty disappointing stuff denver has built their entire offseason and regular season plan around putting mpj in a in a bigger position to succeed uh around putting Jokic and Murray in a position where they can guide MPJ into the role that they need him to play in order to maximize wins and maximize 
the offense and get him better on defense and get him ready for a playoff series. And it's just disappointing not to be able to see him in that situation because I do think that, especially in a night like tonight, he would have been very impactful. Jokic would not have taken 31 shots tonight had had Porter been out there. I think Murray takes some more efficient shots tonight if Porter's out there. I think the bench plays a little bit longer tonight because Porter can get certain shots and they they won't lose as much ground in a lot of those situations. I think the starters were definitely the the larger culprit in terms of the plus minus. The Porter's a starter, and first and foremost, he he helps that unit space the floor. Denver shot 34% from three tonight. Jokic and Murray combined for uh, seven threes, and the rest of the team combined for eight. I think if you're a Porter, he's able to really put the team on his back in that regard from a floor spacing perspective. So, going to be interesting to see how long he's ultimately out. They said at least 10 days. I think the window is 10 to 14 days, uh, which would put him in the window, like if it is 14, uh, to January 21st, January 22nd. It's a really tough ask. Um, and for for those who are going to ask, and I know that they will, uh, I don't think this was like, I don't think this was anything malicious by Porter. I don't think this was anything like extremely negligent or anything like that from what I've heard. I don't necessarily think that he's perfectly in the right in the situation, but from what I've heard, it doesn't necessarily feel like like it, it felt like he got caught breaking a rule on accident and it wasn't an intentional thing to break the rule. And that's a, that's a tough place to be because the NBA then has to crack down because the rule was broken and they have to set a precedent, but it's uh it's something that I think is going to be explored a little bit more in depth over the coming days. And so we'll just leave it at that. What this means for the rotation. First of all, more heavy minutes for Jokic and Murray. Murray played 46 minutes tonight. He's averaging a high number of minutes on the season. I think that's probably the biggest storyline for this Nuggets team is that they can't give Jokic and Murray any time off because those guys are too important to the rest of the roster and the rest of the roster is incapable of holding up their end of the bargain. Murray is now averaging 36.8 minutes a night. Jokic is now averaging 36.5 minutes per night. Both of those guys being up over the 36-minute threshold to start the year, really concerning for their long-term prospects in being healthy and ready to go during a playoff series. And when you take out Porter, you take out one of those top scorers, it really puts the it sets the onus on the other scorers to step up. And let's face it, Denver doesn't have anybody else to step up. <coughs> Maybe Will Barton. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I think that Will Barton, if he continues to get healthy, though he didn't look healthy driving to the rim tonight, if he gets healthy and he can drive to the rim competently, continue to create shots for others, then maybe they can figure this thing out. But you're missing a guy who averages 19.5 points for a reason. And he has been very good, Porter. Uh, so Jokic and Murray being on that list of, of heavy minutes, guys, it's going to add for another five to six games at least. And they might have still played heavy minutes with Porter back, but 
at least you have an, an opportunity to work some magic with some other guys to try to get them minutes here, minutes there. Uh, to get it down to 32, that would have been great. Uh, to have some games where you blow out teams, that would be great. Denver doesn't have enough blowouts, and they're going to need those, especially early in the season, to try to get some of their guys some rest. They don't have that. Next, Faku's going to have to kick it into gear, give this team some energy. Uh, he didn't play tonight. It was said because of a, a size disparity. Uh, Denver may just have to say screw that because they're playing a nine-man rotation right now, and really it was eight because Isaiah Hartenstein only played five minutes. The rest of the team all, was high minutes all around, and it's pretty it's pretty scary early in the year to see everybody playing that many minutes. Uh, Denver hasn't ever had to do that before. And it's it's a problem, like especially early in the year. Most of the time, the bench is really handling their own. They're finding ways to score, finding ways to generate points for themselves and others. Uh, it's just not really happening. Uh, so Faku could be a really big benefit for that. He works well with Monte Morris. I didn't think that they would work as well as they have, but he works well when they are spacing the floor with two different point guards where the ball's in Faku's hands. Sometimes it goes to Monte, but mostly it's in Faku's hands. He's creating for others, doing the, the zip around thing, and uh, just generating points out of nowhere that you didn't necessarily think that you could get from a guy that size. So I hope that he plays. I hope that he continues to give the team energy. Uh, it would be great if he could have another plus 20 game and help give Murray and Jokic the fourth quarter off. That would be nice. Uh, we'll see if it actually happens. Another thing, they'll probably need to find time for Jermichael Green a power forward and play Isaiah Hartenstein at center. Uh, that's to limit everybody else's minutes in the rotation. Uh, Jokic again, that that's the 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 right the thing right now is that Green is the primary backup at center. Isaiah played five minutes at center, but uh, when when Green had to move over there for the backup center duties in the second half. He got tired very quickly. Jokic had to come back into the game really quickly. And it, it was a problem because Jokic then got tired and he wasn't as efficient and effective as he probably could have been. Uh, maybe Bull Bull gets another try instead of Isaiah and they play Jamichael Green at the five. Uh, but the fact is, is that they have to find time for a 10th guy in the rotation. Right now, uh, really, really nine. Like it, as long as you're giving nine consistent minutes, at least fifteen per game, then you're gonna be okay, and you can you can squeeze out some time elsewhere. But ideally, you'd want to get it to ten. And Michael Malone doesn't feel like he can do that, and for good reason. Denver Denver's bench hasn't proven that in the slightest at all. Um, so I am concerned. I think that people should be concerned. Denver's three and five right now. Uh, their upcoming schedule, let's just look at it right now. Uh, sorry, I, I'm not prepared. Probably should have prepared a little bit better for, for what's to come. But they do have Philadelphia, who they have Philadelphia on Saturday, Saturday afternoon. And it was supposed that Philly was going to quarantine in New York tonight uh, following their game against the Knicks. Or, yeah, I think it was against the Knicks. And... They had a positive COVID test. Uh, Seth Curry tested positive during the game, uh, though he wasn't playing. 
And it's going to be interesting to see how the NBA handles that uh, because the entire Philadelphia 76ers roster right now is currently in contact tracing mode. And if they are all deemed to be uh, exposed, then they may have to either postpone that game or forfeit that game. I, I have to imagine that it would be a postponement. I don't think the NBA has postponed a game since OKC versus Houston at the beginning of the year. Uh, but if it doesn't happen, then Denver will be playing the 76ers on Saturday. They just lost to the Brooklyn. Uh, it was it was against Brooklyn tonight. My my apologies. Uh, but the Sixers are playing, and they would they if they are healthy, they will play the Nuggets on Saturday. Uh, the ben, the Ben Simmons versus Jamal Murray and the Nikola Jokic versus Joel Embiid matchup that everybody's hoping for. Uh, it would be a fun matchup. I hope that Denver continues to find ways to win. Uh, I think Jokic can match up effectively with Embiid. Uh, we'll see if that ultimately does happen or if he continues to get into foul trouble. Uh, Denver will have to find a way to stop Ben Simmons. Uh, they'll have to find a way to contain to- Tobias Harris with Paul Millsap. Uh, that may or may not happen. And we'll see how the game goes. Denver's going to be in an interesting position. And uh, they kind of need to win some games. They've got Philly on Saturday. The Knicks on Sunday in a back-to-back. Uh, again, they're on on the road in all three of these games. The, the third coming against Brooklyn next Tuesday. Thursday, they'll have the Golden State Warriors. So there are winnable games on the schedule. Which is why it sucks that they lost to Dallas tonight. Because if they had won that game and banked that win, then they could have had one of those games to drop on this road trip against uh, the Sixers, the Knicks, and the Nets. Now, in order to get things right and in order to get back over 500, they need to win all three games. Can they do it? Of course they can. They're very talented. Will they do it? Remains to be seen. That's going to do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate the love and support, everybody. It's always been appreciated. Uh, make sure to check out my article from Thursday on white privilege and the events at the United States Capitol. Uh, I thought that was an important write-up that needed to be said, and I, I shared some personal thoughts in there, so go check that out. Uh, we also have a whole bunch of content over at Denver Stiffs that should be interesting to everybody, so make sure to tune in. That'll do it for this week, and I'll talk to you guys next week.